Today is Tuesday, February 21st, 2023. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. Revival continues to surge at a Kentucky university. We'll have that top story and more on today's podcast. We're bringing news from a Christian perspective. You can email us, quickstartpodcast at cbn.org. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a rating, share it with a friend. And let's get through the news of the Cray together. That's what we do here each and every weekday morning at 7 a.m. And joining me, as always, Trey Goins Phillips. Billy is out today. What's going on, Trey? You know, I am only one cup of coffee in today. I'm a, <laughs> I'm a, I'm a one cup um, a day type person. You, yeah. don't, you don't drink coffee at all, do you? No, I drink tea. I'll do some yeah. tea in the morning. Yeah. Hopefully you have whatever caffeine um, vehicle you have, <laughs> have uh, plenty of it this morning so far, but we have a lot coming up on the podcast today. Trey, you're looking at a quite an interesting survey on gender and children. Yeah, so this is obviously, I mean, it's just the, the hugest topic. Hugest, yeah. is that a word? It, it's it's the biggest topic, I think, right now when it comes to, to children in our culture and this new sexual revolution is where do Americans fall on whether kids should get transgender treatment? Mm. And this survey, it, it breaks in a in a direction that might surprise some people. And on the main thing today, we have Yeonmi Park, who you might remember her story. It's a harrowing tale of escaping North Korea. She found freedom here in America. And now she speaks out about some of the things she sees happening here in America that have her very concerned about our prospects of future freedom. So we'll have that conversation with you and me here uh, in a few minutes. But first, we are going to get through the news here in 90 seconds. And after a weekend of massive crowds at the Asbury University Revival, big change is coming. They're going to take the revival off campus now because they kind of want students to go to school. Uh, but there is an estimated 15,000 to 20,000 people that showed up over the weekends. And this is all happening in a very small town of Wilmore, Kentucky. And so some of the local gas stations and places are saying there's more people there uh, by far than bathrooms. And so it's just causing a lot of chaos. And so uh, they're trying to manage it as best they can. As so many people are excited over this uh, perceived movement of God and they, they want to be part of it. And um, they wrote, one of their uh, officials there wrote that over 20,000 people came to Asbury over the weekend, five overflow buildings and a grass lawn filled. There's a two and a half mile backup of cars going into Wilmore. Cry out to God for your first love to be renewed. That was from Greg Gordon, who is um, uh, a local there in the community. So you have that going on. You can read all about it over at CBNnews.com. And there are reports of more collapse building in Syria after another powerful earthquake hit that region. The details on that as well over at CBN. And a major winter storm is set to hit millions here in the U.S. from coast to coast this week. This after some pretty mild temperatures. And you can read about those stories and more over at CBNnews.com. The cold is apparently coming. If you're enjoying uh, some nice weather this week so far, apparently batting down the hatches because it's going to get chilly. Lynchburg is usually like that. It's where in central Virginia area is usually it'll be kind of mild throughout January and February. And then often in early March, we'll get the, a huge snowstorm. And when I first came here, I went to Liberty University years ago when, and I, when I first moved to the area. I didn't believe anybody. And my professor's like, <laughs> no, just wait, just wait. And then we'd get like a foot of snow the second week of March. Uh, and then it'd be gone. Like that was it, that was uh, it. For, the, for the whole year. Or so, yeah. but 
Um, I do want to mention too with this Asbury thing, yes. something that I didn't think about was the infrastructure issue, mm-hmm. right? The fact that that it can end up shutting down a city, uh, well, particularly when it's a small town and, and having to deal with this. But still, what an encouraging story. I just think our culture is so divided and I think we live in such a, um, a cynical time. So to see something where that number of people want to go and yeah. witness something encouraging, I think is just not only is obviously God moving and doing doing what God does, but also I think it's curiosity, right? People are so desperate for something positive and yes. uplifting that they're willing to drive great distances to see to it. To be part um, of so it, I, take part know. in it. Yeah. I mean, look, it is, I mean, all the things we complain about and we chronicle, I mean, you're going to be talking about this gender dysphoria with children. We see, How many videos do we see of kids mutilating themselves or after they've mutilated themselves and trying to change genders, and we have so much dysfunction and sadness yeah. and pain out there and sin. And so to see a group of mostly younger people kind of just leaning into God, it's something that we should be excited about and we should be generally positive about until you see some reason not to be, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, let's just enjoy it as Christians. I mean, we tend to want to pick and poke and prod on on every little thing at times. Um, that's just the way society is at this point. But yeah, there's so much negative out there. It's It can't help but let's have the first reaction of this being a positive as God is getting people excited. And you think about it, people get excited for all kinds of silly things, Super Bowls and their favorite sports team. Um, I don't know, Wawa having a special, <laughs> Chick-fil-A's cauliflower sandwich they might be excited about. People get all excited about this stuff. And when you see people get excited about God and then there's actually people flocking because they want to get excited about God, we should celebrate that. If it's not negative things that are distracting us, I think just materialism in general can distract us, right? Because uh, my pastor was actually talking about this this past weekend, is particularly in Western culture, we'll accumulate so much stuff or we'll occupy ourselves with so much busyness uh, that we're distracting ourselves from heaven. We're distracting ourselves from the kingdom of God and what we're called to do as believers. And we can almost trick ourselves into the into being more content with what we have right now uh, than what is to come and and into to what the Holy Spirit has for us. Mm. Obviously, that should be our priority. So I think all of us, and I'm preaching this to myself too, uh, would do well to eliminate some of those distractions and really get down to brass tacks and say, look, as a believer, this is what should actually be my priority. This is what does matter to me. And I just want to follow after what the Lord has for me. And if a revival at Asbury led by a bunch of Gen Z kids who, yeah. let's be honest, a lot of our our culture, a lot of older generations have kind of written off as a lost cause. Uh, if it's them who are leading us back to to making Christ our priority, uh, then you know more power to them. Yeah, one thing for sure about the whole thing is you're we're going to keep an eye on it. So you keep checking in on CBN.com, FaithWire.com to get the latest on what is going on there. Because of course that's the kind of story CBN is really going to stay focused on because. Obviously, we we aim to put God first here with what we do. So, all right, we're going to head on over to the next story now. And, you know, focusing back on some of that dysfunction that's going on, there is a new survey that shows most Americans have a very clear opinion when it comes to treating children for gender dysphoria. We're seeing hospitals, some of them now, open up that wing and say that they're going to do this and they're going to treat these patients. And that has a lot of people concerned. So... What does this new study show? 
Yeah, so it's interesting when this is something that's getting so much attention to see this new, uh, it's a Rasmussen survey. Uh, it was just 900 likely U.S. voters, so it was a bit smaller, um, but it found that 58% of respondents at least somewhat approve of, quote, legislation making it illegal to perform sex change surgeries on minors, uh, with nearly half of respondents, 48%, uh, saying they strongly approve of those legislative proposals. So then broken down along party lines, this survey found that support for laws banning transgender-related procedures on minors is strongest, as you'd probably assume, among Republicans, with 72%, uh, followed then by independents at 61%, uh, and Democrats at 45%. Uh, Interestingly, 45% of Democrats said that they oppose the age-restrictive laws. Uh, The number does dip a little bit when it comes to hormone therapies, like puberty blockers, cross-sex hormones for minors. Uh, but still, even even with that factored in, a slight majority, 53% overall, uh, favor laws banning those too. So it's interesting um, that parents, I think, in general, adults are speaking out and saying, look, this is something that's gone on long enough. You can, t- you can do this if you're an adult. We can peaceably disagree with one another. But I think when you're bringing kids into the equation, uh, I, I don't think people are going to are going to sit down. And even 45 percent of Democrats saying that they oppose it is not a small number. Um, so it's it's interesting yeah. to see that the way people are speaking out about this. And what is the context on this? Is the, is there something uh, larger at play here that that kind of spawned this sort of the study or anything or just the discussion? Well, like I said, this has been an issue that's been going on for a long time. And I think what was it, the end of last year, fall of last year, uh, when Vanderbilt University, their medical center faced a whole lot of backlash after Matt Walsh of the Daily Wire and his team uh, kind of uncovered their uh, their pediatric yeah. uh, transgender treatment facility, uh, their clinic there. Uh, so I think that kind of boiled the subject really to the top of all kinds of people's minds. But just a few days ago, South Dakota Governor Kristi Noem, uh, she signed the state's Help Not Harm bill into law. Uh, that legislation bars minors from undergoing transgender treatments like hormone therapies uh, and also body altering and irreversible surgeries that like you can think double mastectomies, uh, bottom surgery, as it's called, to, to re- reorganize and reorient a, a person's genitalia uh, to, to align more with the male or female, depending on, on the situation. So, But before Noam's signature, that bill passed the state legislature with a 30 to 4 vote supporting it. So it's a pretty resounding, uh, pretty resounding result in a time when we seem really divided on this issue. At least in South Dakota, the lawmakers are pretty united. Yeah. What uh, are there other states that have banned transgender surgeries on children? Yeah, so we've talked about this a few times, but several states have been working on this issue for months now. Uh, The states that have banned similar to South Dakota are Florida, Alabama, Arizona, and Arkansas. And then in Texas, Attorney General Ken Paxton, uh, last spring, he issued an opinion describing transgender-related surgeries on minors as child abuse, uh, which that got a whole lot of attention. We covered it at CBN News and Faithwire. You can go online and and look at those stories. But at the time, Texas Governor Greg Abbott uh, said that his administration would enforce Paxton's legal opinion. uh, And for the most part, they've they've kind of tamped down on access uh, to that, even though they don't have the same kind of law as South Dakota. uh, They're operating under a a sort of ban uh, just because the the attorney general sees it as child abuse. So that that's kind of been the the acting opinion in in, in Texas. Yeah, definitely interesting. And look, this is going to be one of those issues that 
you'll hear one side or at least proponents of these sorts of surgeries say, you know, hey, just when there's when there's critics from maybe the Christian view or maybe the conservative political side of things, they'll say, why don't you leave us alone? And but the problem with that is, is it seems to be this push that's going on to really try to make this okay and make it normal. And as Christians, you know, looking at God's word, we a lot of people are saying we can't go along with that. And you're making me make a decision here. And so it's kind of forced this cultural debate and disagreement to play out. And people are fighting over who can get the moral high ground. Yeah, this is an interesting, sexuality is just an interesting topic when it comes to this debate, because as Christians, like you said, Dan, obviously we know what the Bible says. So we know how God designed us male and female in his image to be male and female. However, it was that we're born, uh, that can't be changed. But in addition to the moral and scriptural support that we have as believers, there's also the the science, which is just crazy to me, mm-hmm. because you no matter what you do to externally change your body or even internally alter your hormones, you are always going to be male or female. Yeah. Uh, you, you cannot change that whatsoever. Uh, but we're having this argument with the party of science, mm-hmm. uh, and they, they embrace science. The left, I'm talking about, embraces science in every every aspect of, of culture, except, that one. except when it yeah. comes to sexuality, right? So it's, it's kind of hard to or have life. this argument because, or, or life. Yeah. That's the other, that's the other category. So life and sexuality, uh, it's interesting because how can you then have an argument with somebody who's just going to deny basic fact and is also going to say that your moral compass is just shouldn't, right. shouldn't be there, should be relative. Yeah. And it's, it's an interesting conversation because what is essentially happening to your point, the way they get around that in, in the argumentation is to say, well, gender and sex are two different things. So they're trying yeah. to separate it out. But biblically, um, most people argue that God does not separate those things out. Yeah. There's, you know, when it comes to gender, there's going to be some, some things that are not an exact science, right? But generally speaking, in scripture, we're called for men to behave and dress and present themselves as men. And and again, like we can have debates on like certain areas of that. There are some gray areas, but generally speaking, it should be accepted and understood if you're a man, that, you know, by the rest of culture that you are a man. And if you're a woman, that you are a woman. And clearly they're trying to, there's one side of things trying to separate that. And make them make gender whatever you want, whatever you want to do with your gender. You can be a dragon. You can be, you know, a toad. You can be they. You can be whatever. Uh, just invent it. <laughs> yeah. And they are just inventing genders right now. That's that's not in dispute. There are all kinds of things being invented. So that's sort of the debate that's happening. One side wants to separate those. Another side wants to say that they're they're inextricably, or that they're inseparable. Yeah, you know, I think. The sad reality is, is that the solution to this, or not the sad reality, I think it's an encouraging reality, is that the solution to this is simple, right? Which is to live as, as God designed us to live. God created this to be a certain way. But I think the sad thing is that so many people are deaf to it, right? So many unbelievers are deaf to it. And we, I mean, we know that's going to be the case from scripture, but I think a verse that always, or a verse that always comes back to mind whenever we talk about the issue of life or the issue of sexuality, because there's so much convoluted information flying around is if you just settle down, look at the facts. And then I read, was just reading first Corinthians, uh, It says, for God is not the author of confusion, uh, but of peace. Uh, I think so if, if, if we're trying to 
add all of this information that muddies the water. I think it's good for Christians sometimes to pause and think, okay, are these issues complex? Yes. Are there a lot of emotions that are running high? Absolutely. Uh, but if I'm ending up more confused than I than I was before, then maybe I'm missing something, right? Maybe my focus is is off a little bit. Yeah, no, hundred percent. But it's it's certainly wherever you fall on it, it's an issue that we're going to have to deal with. It's yeah. not going to go away. So I think the better thing is that let's keep talking these things out instead of trying to shut people down if they disagree. It's better to just talk these things out, let our ideas go through the fire and um, let the truth uh, stand at the end. So appreciate you bringing that story, Trey. We're going to head over to the main thing now. And Yeonmi Park stunned the world with her story of escaping North Korea and finding freedom here in America. And now she's warning Americans of the things she's seeing that we're doing in culture that she saw in North Korea um, as she was trying to flee there. Well, Billy Hallowell spoke with her for today's main thing. Today we're sitting down with North Korean defector Youngmi Park, and she has a new book out, While Time Remains. We're going to be talking with her about what it was like to live in North Korea and so much more. Here's what she had to say. Let's just talk about North Korea a little bit because I think a lot of Americans have no idea what it is like other places, right? They complain about things here. What was life like for you as a child growing up in North Korea? Oh, it was a different planet. I did not even know what internet was. We did do not even have 24 hours like electricity. If you look at the like satellite picture of North Korea, it is literally the darkest place on earth. Uh, people are still fighting for the basic needs. It's like food and drinking water. And the regime uses starvation as a tool to control the population. And the only thing that we are allowed to believe and learn is about the propaganda that are being taught by the school teachers and by the regime. And the first thing my mom told me as a young girl was, don't even whisper because the birds and mice could hear me. If, say, you say one wrong thing, it was going to get to three to eight generations of my family to get punished along with me. So it's a, I don't think anybody can imagine uh, the idea of, you know, not accepting other opinions. The North Korean regime decides what is true, what is not. And nobody is allowed to leave the country. We don't even know the, you know, word passport. Wow. Did you know, and do people know, and maybe this is a complicated question, but when you're living in that sort of brainwashed society and you don't have food and you don't have resources, were people aware of how bad it really was and what the world was like outside of that? Or was it so restricted that people just didn't know that there was a better world out there? Yeah, I think that's what I always say to American uh, university students. They tell me that how they're oppressed. You know, if you know you're oppressed, you're not really oppressed. For truly oppressed people like North Koreans, they don't even know the word because the regime would not let the word to, you know, describe their situation. So we don't have vocabulary like oppression, you know, individual liberty, human rights. All these concepts are not, are like unknown to Northern people. Therefore, we have no clue the words can be like this. 
Yeah, and and that to me is such an incredible thing to understand. And you know, I know you write about this in While Time Remains, but again about about students complaining about their pronouns or acting as though that's the the worst type of oppression if somebody misgenders them, or you know, just as an example. And yet here you are describing a situation I know where you would see bodies in the street, where you had no food, where there were no resources. And when you come from that world, it must be really shocking to come into a place like America. When you got here, mm-hmm. what was your, and we'll talk more about your backstory, but but what was your idea of America before you came here? Before I, I mean, when I was in North Korea, I thought Americans were like bastards. That was one word. We were never allowed to say Americans. That's too respectful. It was like one word, American bastards. They told us they are like cold-blooded reptiles who are monsters who eat our children, rape our women, who torture us. So that was my idea of America when I was in North Korea. But I was lucky enough to escape to South Korea eventually. And that's when I heard that America was a democracy. This is a country that respects human rights and respects people's religion or faith or thoughts. So that was my idea. I thought this was the home of the brave, the land of liberty, and when I landed, I found a slightly different version of America. Well, because now now there's a fear that, you know, is American culture changing? Are we becoming a country, and I think in some pockets we are, where, where you can't have another view, where your career will be canceled, where you'll be fired, where you'll lose everything simply because you took a position that the media or Hollywood didn't agree with, right? Um, yeah. That, that is that is scary. And so what has it been like for you to have come from where you came from to be here now? And I know this is why you wrote the book um, mm-hmm. and to sort of look ahead at, in fear at what might come if this doesn't stop. There's so many similarities that I in my book I described that I saw in North Korea is happening in America. Of course, we are like in the beginning middle phase of what North Korea could be. I think that one of the tactics that I was realizing is how America uses race to divide people. In North Korea, they use the, you know, what our ancestors did to divide people. Even though you're same people, same language, same skin color, same genetics, based on what my great-great-grandfather did, they determine if I have oppressor blood or oppressed blood. So if my grandfather was a capitalist or landowner or intelligentsia, that means I'm an oppressor. In America, uh-huh. if your ancestors were white, then you are the oppressor. Then your blood is tainted. Your genetics is oppressive. There is forever no redemption in that system. Something called the collective guilt, collective punishment. In America, my son who's half white, and they say he's privileged. He should be guilty. I'm like, his mother was a sex slave. Like his grandmother was a, like sold for sixty-five dollars in the twenty-first century. Like, but his skin color is the white, and therefore he can never deserve any compassion or sympathy or even justice. I think so. It's the same tactic that North Korea uses in America. They use the race to divide people, and I think that this is horrifying. All right, Billy, thanks for that fascinating conversation there. Always, always interesting to hear from somebody like Yeon Mi who's come from such extreme circumstances and to hear what they have seen and to heed those warnings, I think is definitely wise for people here. So we sit in freedom and we don't want to lose it. Appreciate that story. And that leaves us with time for one last thing. And we are going to go to a very familiar verse here. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. 
I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. And of course, it says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Uh, paraphrasing there, of course, but um, just a, it's a great verse for a reason. It's one we can lean on for a reason um, because it's so clear. It's so um, powerful uh, to know that God is shepherding us and we don't need anything. We just need whatever it is he provides for us. Yeah, you know, yeah, I think it goes perfectly in line with the verse that I was referencing earlier, that God is not the author of confusion. So, yeah. But all, all of this life is filled with confusion. But if we trust in the Lord, follow after him, he's not going to lead us astray. He's going to take care of us. A great place to leave it for today. But as always, get on over to cbnnews.com, faithwire.com for more news from a Christian perspective. Lord willing, in that creek don't rise. We will be back here tomorrow with more news from a Christian perspective. So I hope you have a fantastic rest of your Tuesday. We'll see you tomorrow. God bless.